Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to founder of Spoke, Ben Farron. And Spoke is a new kind of menswear brand focused on legs and fit. There is little in this life worse than a poorly fitting pair of trousers. And seven years ago, they set out to banish them forever. Half a million pairs sold later, they cut their strides in over 200 sizes, custom finished to order for a flawless fit. Of course, only one pair is your perfect size, so they built an online fit finder with a machine learning algorithm to help men find their size and not a fitting room in sight. Spoke stock a large range of products from casual drawstring chinos to Italian wool slacks via their best-selling stretch cotton sharps, and they've recently added premium denim and swim shorts too. You can find out more about the brand through the website at spoke-london.com. And here is Ben Farron to tell the story of how it all began. I became increasingly preoccupied with the idea that e-commerce was a way to solve both of these problems at once. So um, I think in the way most people tell the story, uh, the, the genius of e-commerce lies in uh, the opportunity for uh, digital arbitrage. So uh, cutting out the middlemen, cutting out the retail overheads uh, to offer you um, a better product at a better price. Uh, that's how people often think of, of direct-to-consumer brands in fashion and, and, and outside the sector too. And I suppose my position on that is that uh, it's it's largely um, bollocks. Um, it's just not true. Uh, everything that I save in rent, uh, I am having to give back in the form of uh, the rent I pay to, to Facebook and Google. I live in fear of tumbleweeds spinning across my website and people not visiting, and I pay expensively to make sure that they do. Um, so I don't think uh, there is that sort of fundamental shift in the economics that explains uh, that the value of e-commerce. Instead, I, I, uh, my position on it is that uh, um, uh, a digital model e-commerce represents this wonderful opportunity uh, to focus really hard. Um, I'm not enthralled to footfall. I'm not trying to make as much of the passing trade as I possibly can. Um, I can uh, use the reach of the web to, to go after one customer with real singularity of purpose and vision and send them a stream of products and messages that, that really resonate. Um, and in that lies, uh, you know, uh, uh, some really strong economics. Uh, you know, if you, if you do that, you're able to acquire customers at a lower price uh, and you're often able to inspire a bit more loyalty uh, through that very direct and focused connection that you're making with them. Uh, and I think that is in large part the genius of e-commerce, this opportunity to focus. Um, but additionally, I can solve that fit problem that I mentioned earlier. You know, when I'm able to gather all of my inventory in one place, rather than spreading it thin, I can run through dramatically more sizes. Uh, and that opportunity is only improved when uh, when I also finish to order, which is something we do here at Spoke. So suddenly, rather than offering the usual 20 to 30 sizes uh, in, in trousers, which is where we've made most of our business over the last six or seven years, we're able to run to 400, soon 600 size variations, silhouette variations. Um and uh, that's really powerful. I mean, fit isn't rocket science. Uh, anybody that tells you they've solved fit by coming up with a clever new pattern um, that is better adapted to the male body is just it just is it's full of it. That's not true. That, that if that you can't patent a pattern, uh, and uh, and and so. Um, 
you know, the only way to deliver better fit is to, to run to more sizes or for more granularity in, in the way that you, uh, in, in, the, in the range of sizes that you offer. Um, and as I say, through a remote digital model, we're, we're able to do that, uh, most especially because we, we finish every pair to order. Right. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's the model that underpins our business. Great. And did you, so did you start with trousers primarily and then work your way through to more products? Yeah, so trousers are still very much the heartland of our business. Seem like a good beachhead. If you look at the nav almost any any brand or or, or our retailer, uh, you know, the, the trousers tend to be in fifth or sixth slot. They're an afterthought. And yet they are half of the outfit. Um, and they're really, really hard to get right. We all know the purgatory of shopping for trousers, of you know, walking into a dimly lit changing room with a small pile of them and stumbling around emptying your pockets and stumbling around as you uh as you try them on and then do that awkward dance in front of the communal mirror outside i mean it's it's a really terrible experience and one that it struck me had tons of headroom for improvement uh, it simultaneously seemed to be neglected by a lot of other brands you put all of that together it feels like a good a good beachhead to explore these ideas and um and certainly that's where we focused as i say over the last six or seven years Ben, whenever I'm done doing these chats, um, I always talk to my girlfriend afterwards. And the, the one question she always asks that I forget to ask is, how did they raise the capital? So, Because <laughs> she's money oriented. She always goes, well, how did he get going? So I'll put that to you on behalf of my girlfriend. Sure. No, it's a good question. It's a really important question. I mean, there's no doubt that... Um uh starting an apparel brand is a it's a working capital hungry uh business and uh and figuring out how you're going to finance that is uh, is an incredibly important part of the journey uh so how did i do it uh i I bootstrapped initially um so i put away a little war chest in my previous life as a management consultant um and uh merrily spent my way through that in the first sort of six or nine months of preparation um uh but in so doing was able to cut uh a few hundred pairs of trousers and more importantly sell through them at a reasonable pace to friends and friends of friends in a way that demonstrated some traction uh and was enough to to give me the confidence and conviction to to put a pitch together uh, and to put that pitch in front of initially friends and family um and after uh, that, that first round to cross the Rubicon and pitch it to uh, institutional uh, capital, to, uh, to, to formal uh, venture capital investors, uh, which I did for the first time in, I want to say, at the end of 2014, um, uh, I was able to raise a few hundred thousand pounds from a fund called uh, Forward Partners, who have, have been great partners for the business ever since. Um, and with the money that they raised for me, we were able to hit a whole new set of milestones, uh, get the business to, you know, six figure sales per month. Uh, and at that point, a new raft of, um, venture capital investors, uh, became interested and I've been able to repeat that trick a, a couple of times since, uh, to, to grow the business to the scale it's at today. Okay. Interesting. And I'm curious to know, you you were saying about what you save on rent, your spend on digital marketing when you first launched this 2013 uh, you know social media instagram wasn't like the monolith that it is today etc and what was the landscape like for you 
if you can remember back then when you launched the brand and the e-commerce site, what was, you know, what were you entering into? Uh, it felt like the market was, was ready for this. I think, you know, I was in part inspired by this kind of Cambrian explosion of direct to consumer brands, mostly admittedly in the U S um, but I could see an awful lot of uh, direct-to-consumer apparel brands uh, growing very fast and delivering some very impressive numbers in a short space of time. And I couldn't think of structural reasons why that wouldn't happen in the UK. So I didn't ever feel like it was especially uh, hostile uh, environment or, or bad timing. At no point did it occur to me that I might have gone too soon. And actually reflecting specifically on, on digital marketing, I'd say that... Um, uh, it was a pretty good time to be on Facebook. It's true that Instagram hadn't quite become the, the beast it is today. Uh, but Facebook uh, ads were just getting going. Um, and I'd argue actually it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a greener field back then. It was uh, less competitive, uh, so, so cheaper uh, to have a cheap, cheaper inventory on Facebook. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, I think about the kind of eye-wateringly low customer acquisition costs that I was paying back in uh, in 2013 and 2014, and wonder why why I didn't uh, why I didn't push the accelerator uh, harder. Um, it was it was actually uh, it was actually a great time in the, in, um, to to be um, to be advertising uh, at least on on those channels. So uh, yeah, it's a good, good good way to get started. And you know, the beauty of uh, Facebook that I suppose that the really important difference between the rent that i might pay a landlord and the rent that i pay for facebook and this has become incredibly uh, salient over the past 12 months is that um i can elect to stop paying facebook on a dime you know i could turn around and just slash my budgets to zero tomorrow if i want to uh which is of course not the kind of relationship you typically form with a landlord um and I mean, my word, that's been important in the last 12 months. Um, you know, our ability to, to modulate our spend in response to a very changing demand picture has, has been, uh, has been incredibly, uh, incredibly helpful, obviously, uh, in, in, in difficult, uh, circumstances through COVID. But back then, back in 2013, 2014, that the fact that, you know, you, you have this advertising channel over which you have so much control, uh, uh, over daily spends. Is, is really important for giving you the confidence to, to, to invest in your marketing. Um, it makes the whole thing feel manageable from a risk perspective uh, in a way that I think really helped me to, 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 to get the brand off the ground and, and properly scaling. Right. And do you have any kind of other inventive ways to leverage traffic through various social platforms or is it, or is it literally just kind of Google ads, um, pay-to-click, et cetera? I mean, there's no doubt that that PPC has fallen the backbone of our growth over the last um, uh, over the last four or five years. Uh, in the early days, uh, we were seeded by friend and family, and then friends and family, and then that you know was obviously um, uh, that was obviously multiplied by by the referrals that follow your initial sales. Um, and referrals have continued to be a really important part of the mix uh, since then. But in terms of supplying, uh, you know, a continuous stream of customers at the top of the funnel, yeah, our paid advertising has remained important as it, and has expanded beyond those online channels to, to some offline channels too. So for a while, we found that uh, uh, heading down the traditional catalog route was incredibly lucrative. 
was it for us uh was it was a really great way to to scale you know in the early days of doing that back in 2016 felt like turning on a tap uh, uh it was it was extraordinary how many customers we were able to acquire how quickly and it turns out you know direct direct mail is a, is a pretty sophisticated space you know the data modeling that goes on to select um you know the prospects that you might send a catalog to is, is pretty sophisticated um and uh the, you know the, the the targeting's good and so you you tend to convert pretty well um i'd say that space has got a bit more complicated over the last couple of years um and I think there's two things at work there um gdpr which i think is an important and positive development uh has uh nonetheless uh reduced the turnover in the in the pools of data um that, that you can uh, you can buy into to, to to find new customer prospects um uh so it's just you know it's it's a it's a less consistent supply of of great new leads and it's just become more competitive i mean just look at the volume of stuff coming through your letterbox every week um uh, it felt like we were one of relatively few menswear brands back in the day, but even even that is changing now. Um, and so, you know, that, that may not be the opportunity that it once was. But look, I mean, that's just another paid channel. And it's true to say that paid channels have formed a you know, really important part of our growth over the... Um, uh, over the, the the six or seven years that we've been trading, albeit that it is you know ha- having healthy organic metrics uh, and making sure that people continue to uh, to to refer you to their friends uh, is, uh, is 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 hugely important to make the economics stack up. And, I, and I'm pleased to say that that too has always been a feature of the business. And it's the fact that you get that multiplier on top of the stuff that you pay for that you can really make it work. Yeah. Well, listen, it was actually a quite a a blessing in disguise, I suppose, to find find your website because uh, since lockdown, especially shopping for trousers, because I'm a kind of awkward size, I've actually just refrained from buying any kind of trousers online because you know I kind of slide between the gaps like many guys do with like the thick thighs but short legs, and you know, and you get your typical brands that might be a size down or a size up depending on what the brand is. So I've been wearing my last pair of jeans down to the last thread <laughs> and uh and finding your website with the different algorithms of where you could actually adjust your thigh size as well so it's not just your waist and your leg size but you could put it through a, a little fit algorithm to you know depend on whether you're on a slim leg or a, a slightly wider leg could you just talk a little bit about that please and and uh, how you managed to tweak and, and formulate and get the kind of the fit ratio to where it is today on the website sure um, so I suppose the first thing to say is that besides um, paying proper attention to those half sizes and making sure that we cover all the odd numbers, uh, which applies uh, just as importantly in the in the leg as it does in the waist. Uh, I mean, <laughs> quite literally, half of the world has an odd numbered leg, and yet it's virtually impossible to buy uh, to buy trousers outside of the standard 30, 32, and 34-inch uh, lengths, um, which means that there's this huge raft of people taking everything that they buy to the dry cleaners to have them properly shortened. Right. Um, and that, that's a huge issue that, that, that we address. I literally and, did that uh, yesterday. I, I literally did that yesterday. Bought a pair of... So t- it's so annoying. <laughs> it's so tedious. It's 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 a it's a really binary thing, you know. If you can if you can 
take something out of the box uh, and put it on and wear it right away, that is a dramatically better experience than any level of adjustment that you might have to do afterwards. And I think we've all been trained to think this business of going to the dry cleaners is normal and acceptable. And it just, it, does, it doesn't seem like something we need to put up with in 2021. So, so that's obviously something that we're solving for alongside those, those odd numbers wastes. But the other thing, as you say, is that we try to address the build of the man. Um, there are some very different ratios out there between waste and uh, size of waste and size of seat or thigh. In other words, you know, some guys are really heavily set and some guys are really lean. And it seems to me like in the trouser category, there has been this utter preoccupation for as long as anybody can remember with the lower half of the leg and you know, how wide your hem is. Of course, the trend over the last 10 to 15 years is to make those quite narrow and, um, you know, marvel at the, the boot cuts that we were all sporting in the late 90s. <laughs> I was and there. Doubtless, <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. And, and make no mistake, they're coming back. You know, those are widening so. again. I hope so. I don't but mind the, those. But the... But the, but the point the point is that you know that has always been the preoccupation. And when we started spoke, uh, we took a position that uh, actually the, the top half, if anything, matters more. Getting that ratio right between the waist and, and the thigh is is where the magic happens. You know, talk to a guy who's got a bigger seat or a bigger thigh, and it's it's really painful. You know the, the the way they solve the problem is by buying a pair of trousers that's fundamentally too big, certainly too big in the waist. And then they'll crank up a belt to try and make it work. And it's uncomfortable and unflattering. If instead you can make sure you create a trouser that opens out properly in the thigh and seat immediately underneath the waist, um, then uh, then you you can eliminate that trade-off. You know, they can buy something that fits perfectly in the waist without a belt and and yet offer them the space um, uh, in in the, in the thigh and seat, and the reverse is true, by the way. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there, and I might even put myself in this category, who have no seat at all, who are just, just incredibly flat all the way down, and um, uh, you know, who find that uh, you know a trouser with with any room in it just flaps around uh, in a way that looks really terrible from the back. Um, and you know, for those guys, our, our build A, our, our narrow cut is is perfect. Uh, again, they could find something that fits perfectly in the waist, and yet it's still flattering through the rest of the leg. So that was really important. And then it's worth mentioning that actually our uh, our size scheme runs to four dimensions. So so we have uh, waist, including the odd sizes, um, leg in, in virtually any leg length. Uh, those three builds A, B, and C for different levels of heft in your um, in your thigh and seat, and then we also offer a different offerings in the lower leg. At the moment, we offer a regular leg, which is a gentle taper, and then a more uh, sharply tapered leg uh, for those that are looking for that. Um, and consistent with that trend that I referred to earlier, um, we've got a we've got a straighter leg coming too in the not too distant future. So you can make those uh, make those alterations below the knee as well to suit your uh, to suit your style. Uh, or, or, or taste, but uh, but more importantly, to suit your to your shape and your fit, uh, we have everything covered in the top half too. Right, interesting. And I'm I'm just trying to thumb my way through the website to see if you do any pleated trousers. I can't see any. At the they're, moment. Coming. they're coming. They're coming. Ah, all right. Yeah, Are you getting? They were actually supposed to come in, in autumn, winter, and I mean, maybe you want to maybe you want to head in this direction, but um, you know, that we we had to cut back on on the buy last year, and uh, and and consequently, uh, that they, they didn't reach the range quite 
as soon as we planned, but you can expect some pleated stuff in, in, in the not too distant future. Nice. And do you think with pleated trousers kind of making a full circle coming back and typically with pleated trousers, they're worn higher up, like on the face. Do you think that's something that you'll be factoring in as well into the algorithm? Oh, yeah, we were definitely changing the rise to accommodate that in, in that particular trouser. And we'll be styling it in a way that's consistent with that um, when, when you see it first graft. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a sort of uh, a stylistic choice that we are um, catering for here. Um and uh but it, re- it requires a fundamental rethinking of the, of the silhouette it's not just a case of you know chucking some pleats in yeah do you know where my mind's eye is going with this ben i'm thinking carrie grant to catch us to catch a thief and yeah absolutely uh, i mean that's it. When, I, when i think about how we'll market this th- those are exactly the sort of references that we'll be making right okay i mean like that whole film the first half is more about his trousers than it is about Monaco or anything else going on in the film. So, I mean, I was, I was glued to them trousers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how would it stand legally? Would you even be able to use any kind of screen grabs from certain films or references? And well, or is that going into a bit of a dicey prop? Probably not at scale. I don't know what you could do on social. Um, I, I haven't really looked into it. But sometimes, yeah, often there are creative ways of making those references without ripping them off directly in a way that gives you some sort of dodgy legal exposure. Um, so, but we'll definitely be trying to do that and to evoke the spirit of that film because I think you, you've, you've nailed it. Interesting. Well, listen, Ben, uh, I could talk to you for hours about trousers about Cary Grant, but I appreciate you've got a life to lead. Um, for anyone listening that wants to check the trousers out that, and other shirts and T-shirts and other things going on in the spite, so it's spoke-london.com, uh, place to go, and also on Instagram, spoke underscore London. But we'll leave all the links and references over on the show notes so people can find and, and have a good time over there. And also, I should say, when I went on the site, I was expecting, uh, after doing all the the algorithms of uh, putting in my sizes, my weight. Uh, I, I complimented myself and put shredded Pete in because it's like a, <laughs> it's a, it's like a dad bod Dean or average Joe. And I thought, I'm Pete, you know, I, I ran today. I can put shredded Pete in. Uh, I was expecting like this result to kind of come back and go, there's a uh, 180 quid for a pair of trousers, you know, but very accessible prices. So, yeah, we're definitely trying to create something that's uh, yeah that's that's got that's got some reasonably wide appeal. Um, I, th- I think that's important. Otherwise, it's hard to convince yourself you're solving a big problem. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's that's where they get pitched. Yeah, awesome, great. Well, Ben, thanks again for your time and, and best of luck. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Ben. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. If you like what you hear, why not leave a review? It does help my ego. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode and all content pertaining to fashion, watches, grooming and lifestyle over at www.menswearstyle.co.uk. We're on the social, also at Men's Wear Style. And if you want to be a guest on the show and tell us about your brand and your journey, you can email us here at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. And until next time. <laughs>